there in 1 John chapter 2, and I want you to look down at verse number 15 just real quickly with me. 1 John chapter 2, so verses we've seen uh, recently, but I want you to look at them again. 1 John chapter 2, and look at verse number 15. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Over the last several weeks, we've been dealing with the subject of separation. We've been talking about coming out from among them and be ye separate and that God has called us to be a holy people and a, a, a separated people. And here in 1 John 2.15, you kind of find that concept because he says, love not the world. He says, we should not love this world and notice neither the things that are in the world. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through is what the song says. And, and that's ought to be our attitude. We're pilgrims here. We should not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, here, here's why. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The Bible teaches that you cannot unite, and we've been talking about this, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, you cannot unite Christ with Belial. You cannot unite that which is righteous with that which is unrighteous. If, if, if you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. That's what we've been talking about. We've been dealing with all sorts of controversial type subjects, you know, controversial to some, uh, maybe. Uh, we, we've dealt with alcohol, we've dealt with fornication and adultery and relationships in, in, that, in that sense. We, uh, last week we talked about appearance, biblical guidelines for how we should look and dress. And you say, Pastor, why are you preaching these types of sermons? Well, I, I don't know if you noticed, but the, the, the room's kind of full and uh, we, we need to just make some room, you know, so we got to get some people to get upset and leave. No, that's not why. That's not why we're, do, we're doing it. We're just trying to help you uh, grow. But what I want you to notice is verse number 16, 1 John 2, 16. Notice what the Bible says. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The Bible says that all that is in the world is not of the Father, but is of the world. This morning, I want to deal with this, this specific phrase, the lust of the eyes. If you notice there in 1 John 2.16, the lust of the eyes. And I want to talk about separation in regards to entertainment or separation in regards uh, to media. Now, when I, when I use these words, media or entertainment, what I'm referring to, just so you kind of understand what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the things that we take in through our eyes. I'm talking about television. I'm talking about the internet, social media, billboards, magazines, anything in this world that is meant to be brought in through our eyes into, into our mind is what we're dealing with when it comes to the subject of separation uh, in, in, in regards to entertainment or separation in regards to uh, uh, media. Now, keep your finger there in First John chapter 2. We're going to come right back to it. But I want you to go with me uh, to the book of Romans. Just real quickly, these are verses you've seen already, but let's look at them together. Romans uh, chapter number 12 and look at verse number 1. You could probably quote them with me, but let's look at it. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. Because I think that the problem is our minds need to be uh, renewed. Romans chapter 12 verse 1, the Bible says this. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans 12, 1 says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. See, God, God accepts, expects us to be holy, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, I want you to notice verse number two, and be not conformed. Now, the word conformed means to not be 
patterned after, to not try to be like. He says, be not conformed to this world. Now, we just saw in 1 John, it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Here, he, Paul tells us, be not conformed to this world. And then notice what he says. He says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And really, what we do at Verity Baptist Church and what any good church ought to be doing is teaching you the Bible and helping your mind to be renewed so that your life can be transformed because that's how we get transformed. That's how we change, by thinking differently. And when it comes to the idea of media or entertainment, I think our minds have to be renewed in the sense that we are thinking incorrectly. We're asking the wrong question. See, when it comes to media or entertainment, when it comes to sitting down and watching a movie or watching a TV show or listening to music or, or, or reading a book or a magazine, when it comes to those subjects, the question that most people ask is this, what is most pleasing to me? Now, you may not say it in those words, but basically we'll sit down and say, what do I want to watch? What is entertaining to me? What does my flesh like? What do I want to look at? But here's the question that we should be asking is this, what is most pleasing to God? What is it that God wants us to look upon? What is it that God wants us to see? And I want to this morning give you three uh, kind of principles or three points in regards to guarding against the media and the entertainment of this world as a Christian. Three principles to live a separated life when it comes to the things that we allow to influence our eyes and our minds and our hearts. So for those of you who like to take notes, and I'd encourage you to take notes uh, this morning on, on a piece of paper, on your Bible there somewhere. Point number one is this. We ought to guard against lustful images. We ought to guard against lustful images. Now, in 1 John 2.16, we read, the Bible says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, you're there in the book of Romans. Do me a favor. Put your bulletin or a bookmark or something there in Romans or keep your finger in Romans. Go with me to the book of Matthew. We're going to come back to Romans uh, here in a little bit, so I want you to be able to find it quickly. But go to Matthew chapter number 5, and let's look at a very well-known statement that the Lord Jesus Christ made. The, the first statement I have to make, which is, almost seems like an obvious statement, but it's something that needs to be said today, is that it is a sin to lust with your eyes. Today, society wants to tell us that, you know, it's okay to look. And, and, and you know, this point is probably mainly for, for men, I would imagine, although women are, would definitely be, uh, could, could partake in the sin. But today we're told, you know, it's okay to look at a woman and lust after her if, she, if you're not married to her. Or it's okay to look at someone and, and desire them in an inappropriate way. But the Bible teaches otherwise. Are you there in Matthew 5? Uh, look at verse number 27. Notice what the Lord Jesus Christ said. This is most, uh, one of the most famous sermons that the Lord preached, the Sermon on the Mount. He said this, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And that's true. The Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery. We uh, not commit adultery, talking about physical adultery. But notice what he says in verse 28. He steps it up. He says, but I say unto you, that whosoever, notice the wording, looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. See, it's one thing to commit physical adultery. And I think we would all agree that that's wrong. And, you know, you ought not do that. You ought to be faithful to your spouse. You ought to be loyal to your spouse. But the Bible says, and Jesus says, that it is also wrong for a man to look upon a woman and to lust after her and he has committed adultery not physical adultery but he's committed adultery and been unloyal in his heart and I want you to remember that word that he says 
lust after hath committed adultery. I want you to remember that word adultery and go with me to the book of 2 Peter chapter number 2. Now, if you keep your place in 1 John and right before 1 John, you got the book of 2 Peter. So if you kept your place in, in 1 John, uh, go back there, and you ought to have a place in Romans still. But, but go to uh, 2 Peter chapter number 2, and I want you to notice verse number 14. I just want you to notice the first phrase of 2 Peter 2, 14. Notice what he says. He says, having eyes full of adultery. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. The Bible says here that an individual could have eyes full of adultery. You say, well, what is that referring to? How do your eyes get full of adultery? Well, because Jesus said that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. See, we've got to get back to the idea as Christian men especially that the Bible teaches that it is wrong to look at a woman, to lust after her in your heart, and that our eyes are not be full of adultery. Go, go to the book of Psalms with me. Psalm 101, Psalm 101, and look at verse number 3. If you open up your Bible, just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Go to Psalm 101 and look at verse number 3. Psalm 101 and verse 3. And I know I'm asking you to keep your place in a lot of different places, uh, but we're going we're gonna to look at a lot of passages this morning. I want to try to help you out, all right? So you ought to have a bulletin or a bookmark or a finger in Romans, but I want you to put something, uh, a bookmark or your ribbon or something in Psalms 101 also, because we're going to leave it and come back to it. But look at Psalm 101 and verse 3. Psalm 101 and verse 3. Notice what the psalmist said. He said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. He said, I will not set any wicked thing before mine eyes. Now you're there in the book of Psalms. Go to the book of Proverbs, just one book over. Proverbs chapter number 6. Look at verse number 24. Just the very next book. Proverbs chapter 6, look at verse number 24. I'm just trying to make a point here that what the Bible teaches in regards to this. Because today, you know, you'll hear people say, you'll, you know, you'll hear guys say, they'll make statements like this. They'll say, well, you know, just because I got, just because I ordered doesn't mean I can't look on the menu. You know, the, 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 silly, the silly thing about that is every restaurant you, you go to, they take the menu away once you've ordered. And you know, when you ordered and you got married, you put in your order and that's the wife, that's the girl, that's the gal you chose. You look at her, you love her, you desire her. But at that point, you are no longer to be looking men at other women and lusting in your eyes after them. And look, and by the way, it's not just men, it's women too. Notice what it says in Proverbs 6.24. It says to keep thee from the, I want you to notice what the Bible says here, evil woman. You see that? Hey, listen, there are evil women, out, evil women out there that want to cause men to fall in lust. Now, that doesn't take away from the man that ought to have the character and the, and the discipline and the integrity to say, I, I'm going to do right. But there are evil women out there who want to dress in a provocative way to cause men to stumble. The Bible says here, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. The word strange means she doesn't belong to you. She belongs to somebody else. He says, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongues of a strange woman. Notice verse 25. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart. Neither let her take thee with, eye, with, with her eyelids. 
The Bible says we ought not lust after a woman, even if it's just in your heart. You say, well, I I haven't committed adultery. I haven't even done anything. But even in your heart, you ought not lust after a strange woman, a woman that doesn't belong to you, a woman that you're not married to. And yes, there are evil women out there that are going to try to set you up and try to make you do wrong. That's why Jesus said, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after hath committed adultery. Here's what Jesus said, with her. Because she took part of that. If she dressed in a way to try to cause a man to look at her and and, and to sin, then she took part of that sin. But listen, guys, it doesn't matter what they do because today we live in a society where the, the odds are stacked against you. Every billboard, every magazine rack, every store you walk into, every commercial, every TV show, we live in a society today where there is no, I mean, the the access to that type of, uh, of, of sin is so available. And it's so out there that men have to make the decision. And when it comes to the things that we allow to go into our eyes, we must be careful to guard against lustful images. Go to the book of Job. You're there in Proverbs. If you go backwards, past Psalms, into the book of Job, look at Job 31. In verse number one, notice what Job said. And by, and by the way, today, we, we don't live in a, we, we probably live in, 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 in the world, our, our society today is probably the most attacked in this area. But it's been around for forever. That's why Jesus spoke on it. Even all the way in the book of Job, Job said this, Job 31.1, he said, I made a covenant. Now the word covenant means an agreement, a promise, a contract. He said, I made, Job 31.1, I want you to see it. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Job said, I've made a covenant. I've made an agreement. I've already settled it with my eyes that we're not going to look. We're not going to lust. We're not going to think upon a maid, a strange woman that doesn't belong to me. Job said, hey, I made a covenant. And here's what I want you to understand, man. We must make a decision. We must make a covenant. Purity in your mind and in your heart will not happen by accident, will not happen by mistake, will not happen by chance. If you guard against lustful images and you live pure in your heart and in your mind and in your heart, you're faithful to your wife or faithful to, to, to a future wife or whatever it may be, men, listen, it will only happen if you do it on purpose. You must choose to make a covenant with your eyes. There's never been a time when pornography is more available and accessible than the, the time we live in today. We're told approximately two-thirds, 64% of U.S. men view pornography at least once a month. The number of Christian men viewing it is virtually mirrors the national average of those who don't consider themselves Christian. Broken down by age, we're told 8 in 10 men, 79% of men ages 18 to 30 view it monthly. Two-thirds, 67% of men view it uh, in the ages of 31 to 49, view it monthly. One-half, 49% of men between the ages of 50 and 68, view it monthly. We're told that the average male today is exposed to it before they hit puberty. Look, the Bible says that Satan walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And, And before... Uh, young men are even at the age of, of developing as a man. Satan has already attacked. The average individual has already uh, started to warp their mind, has already attacked their marriage before they've even been married, has already caused, you know, this, this, this 
sin to enter their heart and their mind. And listen, there is no sin, men, that will warp your mind more. There is no sin that will mess up your mind more. And, the, and, and there's very few sins that will destroy your marriage worse than that of allowing lustful images to enter into your mind. You say, well, what do I do? You, your mind has to be renewed so that your heart can be transformed. The psalmist said, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. The more you're under the preaching of the word of God, the more you walk in the spirit. Uh, Paul said, if ye, if ye walk in the, in the spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we have to make decisions. We have to be on purpose. We have to put guards up and we have to say, I'm not going to go down this road. I'm not going to allow my children to go down this road. I'm not just going to pretend like it doesn't exist. I'm not just going to pretend like the temptation is not there. I'm going to make sure that I guard against this attack from Satan for myself as a Christian man and for my male children that I'm raising. Because primarily it's, a, it's, it's an attack on, on men. Now, did you keep your finger in Romans? Can you get back to Romans? Romans chapter number 13. Look at verse number 14. Romans chapter number 13 and verse number 14. And we ought not minimize it. We ought not say, well, you know, every, well, everybody's doing it and it's normal in our society now and it's accepted in our society now. No. We must get back to the biblical principles. We must get back to the teachings of Christ and say, hey, today, yes, today, 2016, you can live a pure life as a Christian man. You can walk in purity. You can be faithful to your spouse. Romans 13, look at verse number 14. Notice what the Bible says. Romans 13 and verse 14. If you didn't keep your place there, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans 13 and 14. Notice what the Bible says. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's talking about walking in the Spirit, walking in the new man. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not, notice, make not provision for the flesh, to fulfill the lust thereof. The word provision means a, a means for or an opportunity. It means to provide for. Here's what he says. The way that you get victory over the lust of the flesh is by stopping it before it's even a temptation. Do you understand what he said? He, said, he says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not. He says, make not provision for the flesh. He said, don't even allow for the opportunity. He said, don't even allow for, for the uh, ability. He said, don't provide for the opportunity for your flesh uh, to lust. He says, to fulfill the lust thereof. And that's where we've got to stop it. That's where we've got to end it before the opportunity even arises itself. Because today, the average guy is walking around. With the access, the ability to access every filthy thing on the internet, and you got it in your back pocket right now. And it's easy to get to it. And it's easy to fall down that road. And listen, I'm not, I'm not telling you guys, I personally don't have internet on my phone. My wife and I have decided, you know, my children one day when they're old enough to have cell phones, they will not have internet on their phone. Now, when they're adults, they make their own decisions. I'm not saying you guys shouldn't have internet on your phone, but I will say this. You better have a way to protect yourself against, you better have a way to keep accountable about what you're doing on that phone. You better have a way to safeguard and make sure that somebody has access to be able to say, hey, you know, and, and keep you accountable and know that you don't just get to do whatever you want. You say, well, I'm a, I'm a man. I can do whatever I want. You're going to end up divorced that way. You're going to end up, you know, falling in sin. And listen, you know, I, I, I'm not going to tell a grown man you can't have internet on the phone, but let me, let me just give some advice to you parents. Don't allow your children to have internet on their phones. Amen. Don't, don't allow your children to have TVs in their rooms. 
You know, and, and, and by the way, you know, I don't believe as Christians you ought to go to like beaches or rivers or, or water parks or places of public, uh, 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 public uh, bathing. You say, why? Because there's women walking around immodestly. And, 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 you know, sometimes these women, are, they're so, you know, out there in space. I don't, I don't know that you understand it. And you think, well, my, you know, my son, he, he would never lust. Look, every man is going to be, if he's a, if he's a red-blooded man, he's going to be tempted to lust. And if he's not tempted to lust, then you've got bigger problems. <laughs> I mean, if he's not, you say, well, my, my husband would never. Well, what, is your husband a sodomite? I mean, what? I don't understand. You know, and people say, well, I can go to the beach and look at all these women half naked and it won't affect me. It will affect you. It will tempt you. It is wrong. And you ought to guard against it. You ought to guard against You better make sure you know what your children are accessing on the Internet. You better make sure you know what your children are watching on television. You need to guard against the lustful images. And let me say this, because statistically, if the stats that we're told are right, there's men in this room struggling with pornography. And I want to encourage you, you know, come to me. I'd, I'd, I'd like to help you. And I'm not going to be critical of you, and I'm not going to look down on you. I, I understand there's people that may not understand that, but I, I, I'm not here to, to make you feel bad. But I, I do believe this. Paul, Paul said, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. He said, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And I believe that you and I don't have to live under the bondage and the power of pornography or alcohol or drugs or prescription drugs or or, or gambling or whatever sin it is that has you in bondage. I believe we can walk in victory. I believe we can do it. But uh, oftentimes you can't do it by yourself. You need somebody to help you. You need somebody to walk alongside you and keep you accountable. And I want to encourage you, if that's something you're in, hey, I'm not going to look down on you, and I'm not going to give your business out to everybody. But this is an area, when it comes to media and entertainment, we must guard against lustful images. So number one, I want you to write down, guard against lustful images. Go to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number 13. Genesis chapter number 13. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. It should be fairly easy to find. Genesis 13. In Genesis 13, you have a story of Lot and Abraham. And basically, their, their land that they were in got too small for them. God had blessed them, and they had cattle, and they weren't able to stay together anymore. And they had to kind of part ways, and they had to decide, you know, who's going to go here and who's going to go there. And Abraham allowed Lot to make that decision. He said, you tell me where you want to go, and you can go there, and I'll go the other side. Genesis 13, look at verse number 10, is where the story picks up. The Bible says, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. And I want you to notice this phrase, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now, we know Sodom was a wicked place. The Bible says the men of Sodom were exceedingly, their, their, their sin was exceeding. We know that there's all sorts of filth, and, 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 and that's where the term sodomy comes from in regards to homosexuality and other unnatural type sins. 
But I want you to notice that Lot was a good man. Lot was safe. But when Lot decided, you know, where I'm going to live, here's what he chose. He said he looked over at the well-watered plains of Jordan. And by the way, he, he chose them because they were like the land of Egypt. They were like the world. Egypt was a picture of the world. But I want you to notice in Genesis 13, 12, the verse ends with this, that he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Here's what that means. He faced his tent. He, 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 he put his tent in a way where he could watch Sodom, where he could look at Sodom, where he got a good view at Sodom. He set up a couch, and he said, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to watch the sights and sounds of Sodom. Now, here's what's interesting about that. When you go to Genesis chapter 14, the very next chapter over, go there with me. You've got a confederacy of kings, and I'm not going to take that and read all the verses, but you've got these kings who basically come and capture Sodom. They, they attack Sodom and they destroy Sodom. And I want you to notice what the Bible says in Genesis 14 and verse number 11. The Bible says this, And they, referring to the group of kings who attacked Sodom, took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. They're talking about the things they took in the, 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 because they won this battle. Notice verse 12, And they took Lot. Abraham's brother's son, notice, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And you got to ask yourself this question, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. In chapter 13, the Bible says that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He was just watching Sodom. He was just looking at Sodom. He was just watching Sodom HBO. He was just, you know, uh, live streaming it. I mean, he was just seeing, you know, he's just looking. It was a, a reality TV show. He's, he's watching it. And, but in verse 14, he's living in Sodom. So how do you go from watching Sodom to living in Sodom? How do you go from, from you know, living a life of physical adultery? You do it by first doing it in your eyes and in your heart and in your mind. How do, you, how do you go into fornication by first watching it? And, and look, how, how do you get into alcohol? By watching all the commercials, by watching all the beer ads, by watching all the TV shows that promote it. And, and look, there's something about when you watch something and allow it to influence your mind and your heart and your eyes. Hey, in chapter 13, you're just pitching your tent towards Sodom. You're getting a bag of popcorn and you're going to sit down and watch Sodom for a while because it's entertaining, because it's fun, because it's funny, because it's good, it has good writing. And in chapter 14, you're living in Sodom. And you find this principle throughout the Bible. Now, keep your finger there in Genesis. Go back to 2 Peter chapter 2. I don't know if I told you to keep your place there. I meant to, though. 2 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse number 7. 2 Peter chapter 2. If you, if, you, if you don't have your place there, start in the book of Revelation and go backwards. Go past Revelation, Jude, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then you got the book of uh, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse number 7. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 7. Notice what the Bible says. 2 Peter 2, 7. And delivered just Lot. Now look, Lot was a saved man. He was just. And delivered just Lot. But I want you to notice this word vexed. The word vexed means to be troubled, to distress, to plague. This just Lot, this just man, vexed. He was troubled. He was distressed. He was plagued. With what? What was troubling him? What was distressing him? What was plaguing him? With the filthy conversations of the wicked. 
He was looking at and listening to. He was getting his fill of the sights and sounds of Sodom. And the Bible says his righteous soul was vexed. It was troubled. It was distressed. It was plagued. Why? With the filthy conversation of the wicked. Don't miss verse 8. Notice verse 8. For that righteous man dwelling among them. Notice what it says. In seeing and hearing. Isn't that what you do with the television? Isn't that what you do with the movie? In seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And I would submit to you today that that that's, that's a verse that could describe the average Christian. From day to day, every day they sit and vex their righteous soul. The Bible calls it grieving the Holy Spirit. As you watch the filth, as you watch the sin, as you watch them mock the Savior, and you watch them mock the things of God, and you vex your righteous soul. And here's what you got to understand, okay? The things that you watch and listen to will affect your heart and soul. That's it. I mean, the, 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 the Bible teaches that. Go back to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Let me give you some verses. Matthew chapter 6. Now, while you go to Matthew, I'm going to read for you a verse from Lamentations. You don't have to turn there. If you'd like to write it down, it's Lamentations 3.51. You're going to Matthew 6. I'm going to read for you Lamentations 3.51. The Bible says this. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. Lamentations 3.51. Jeremiah said, mine eye affecteth mine heart. Are you there in Matthew chapter 6? Look at verse number 22. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22. Notice what the Bible says. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. He says, look, the, the light of the body, he says, he says what, give, what gives access to light. What's the light? The, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, if your eye is singly beholding, looking at Jesus and the things of God, he says, thy whole body shall be full of light. Notice verse 23. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Go to Acts chapter 4. You're there in Matthew? Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 4. Look at verse 20. Acts chapter 4 and verse 20. Acts chapter 4, look at verse number 20. Acts 4, 20, notice what the Bible says. This is what Peter said. Acts 4, 20, he says, For we cannot but speak, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. He said, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. See, if we want to know what you've been watching, we just listen to what you talk about. If we want to know what you've been reading, we just listen to what you talk about. But you, can, you cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's why you get around some people, and all they talk about is basketball. Basketball this and basketball that. Or all they talk about is football. I don't even know what season we're in. I could care less about sports. You know, it's football this and football that, the 49ers this and the Raiders that. It, it, all they talk about is golf. All they talk about what, whatever it is, you know, whatever their hobby is, whatever their thing is. And why is it that they speak about these things? Because we can but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's why some of you have been reading nine chapters a day for the last 31 days, and you've been talking a lot about the Bible. You've been asking a lot of questions about the Bible. And you've been saying, man, I never noticed this about the Bible. And I never noticed about that about the Bible. And I've got a question for Pastor about this. I, I, I think it's great. I, I love January because there's so many Bible questions because our church is just getting deep into the Word of God. But why, why is that? Because you can but speak the things which you have seen and heard. Some of you speak about worldly things. Some of you speak about lustful things. Some of you speak about evil things because all you've seen and heard is lust and evil and covetousness and the things of this world. 
Go back to the book of Genesis, Genesis 19. I, I, wanna, I want you to understand something, and I'm not going to take the time to develop the whole story, but I just want you to see some highlights. Lot's family was crazy. I mean, Lot's, and look, 2 Peter told us that he was a righteous man. He was a just man. He was saved. We know he was saved because the Bible tells us. That's the only reason we know Lot was saved is because the Bible tells us. Because if you just looked at his life, you would say, this guy is not saved. But the Bible, and by the way, you can't judge somebody's salvation based on how they live their lives. Amen. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It doesn't say go to church and thou shalt be saved. It doesn't say repent of your sins and thou shalt be saved. It doesn't say live a good life. It says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what Lot did. He believed. But his life was messed up. Notice what Lot did. Genesis 19. Remember the story? The angels come to Sodom and they're going to destroy the land. They're there to take Lot out of the land. Notice Genesis 19.3, and he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, because they were going to stay the night on the street, and he said, look, look this, is, this is San Fran Sodom. You don't want to spend the night here. You don't want to spend the night on the streets here. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did break unleavened bread, and they did eat. Look, verse 4, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. Now look, don't miss that. People often get mad at, you know, you preach against a, lot, a lot against the homosexual movement of today. Listen to me. As a, as a Christian, I decided a long time ago that I, I, the only thing that I know is this Bible. I mean, when I need to know something, when I need to think something, when I need to get my agenda for something, I just get it from the Word of God. And today you got this media that tells you, a sodomite, you know, they're nice people. They're good people. They're friendly. In fact, we're going to call them gay, which means happy. It has nothing to do with being a reprobate. You know, and, and, and on TV, they're always the flamboyant one, the funny one. But look, I would, inc- I, I would challenge you to do a study of sodomites in the scripture and show me one passage where God ever puts them in a good light. Amen. But you know what the light he does put them in? These men came to rape the men in the house of Lot. These men came to hurt the, the men. Notice verse 4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Now, notice what Lot does. Now, it's pretty wicked what they're wanting to do, but notice what Lot does. You you look at this story and you think, Lot, what is wrong with you? Notice what he does in verse 8. Behold now, this is Lot speaking to the Sodomites that want to, you know, defile the, the men that came into his house. And he says, Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. He said, I've got two virgin daughters. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good. And you say, what? Are you serious, Lot? And you think, what? what is wrong with Lot? Here's, here's what I'm trying to make. What, what normal guy would do that? The point I'm trying to make is this. Lot was crazy. Not only was Lot crazy, his family was crazy. Look at verse number 11. Genesis 19, look at verse 11. 
the angels, it says, and they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness. The angel said, no, 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 we're not going to let you give them your daughter's lot. We'll take care of it. They smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they weird themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Has thou here any beside son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in the, in the city, bring them out of this place. So here's what they said. They said, look, we're going to destroy this place. If you have anybody here that you like, that you're related to, if you've got sons-in-laws or daughters, you know, uh, let's get them out of here because God's about to destroy this place. Look at verse 13. For we will destroy this place because the cry of, the, of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out. Notice how crazy. Now we already saw how crazy Lot was. But notice how crazy his, his family is. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law which married his daughters and said, Up, get you out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Lot shows up and says, God's going to destroy this place. we got to go. And they said, ah, Lot, you're so funny. Oh, that's, that's silly. God would never destroy this place. I don't even believe in God. And his family was crazy. They would not take heed to his warning. Not only was Lot crazy, not only were his in-laws, his, his son-in-laws crazy, his wife was crazy. Look at verse 26. Genesis 19, 26. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Now, the angels had specifically told them. They said, when God destroys the city, you run and don't look back. And by the way, that's a good tip for how to live a separated life. Just don't look back. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. The Bible says if they were mindful of the place where they had came from, they might have returned. And and the angel said, just get out of Sodom and don't ever look back. But see, here's the thing. She'd been watching Sodom for a long time. She'd been pinching her tent towards Sodom for a long time. And as Sodom is being destroyed, she just couldn't help herself. She had to look back one last time. She just had to watch the season finale. She just had to get the last show in, and she turned into a pillar of salt. She was crazy. She would not believe God. I mean, God is destroying the city and says, don't look at it, don't look at it, don't look at it. And she said, I got to look at it. Notice Lot's daughters were crazy. Look at verse 31. And the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot's daughters assume that God destroyed the entire world, and they think they're the only people on planet earth that are still alive. So they come up with this crazy idea, verse 32. Come, this is the daughters of, of Lot saying about their father, Lot, let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. They wanted to have a physical relationship with their dad. They were going to get him drunk and defile their dad. You say, why, why are these people all thinking crazy? Here's why they're thinking crazy. Because you can but speak the things which ye have seen and heard. Because mine eye affected mine heart. Because if your eye is evil, if your eye is wicked, the wickedness that will be in you will be so dark and so wicked. And let me explain to you why Christian people that love God and that are truly saved, their lives are falling apart. Let me explain to you why your wife, guys, I'm just, I'm just going to help you out. I picked on the guys for a while. Let me pick on the ladies for a little bit. You say, my wife is crazy. She's an emotional basket case. She is Drama mama. I mean, she, I, I don't understand. It's because she let, she's watching all those soap operas and she's watching all those TV shows where all the women are drama mamas. 
Well, they're all crazy. You, you ever meet these people where they always got to have something going on? There's always got to be some issue. Nothing can ever be okay. And let, here's the thing. What you watch will influence you. It'll cause you to think that way. See, Lot's daughters thought, oh, yeah, we'll just get our dad drunk. No big deal. We've been watching everybody else get drunk. We'll just go ahead and, 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 and have perversion with our father. No big deal. We've been living in Sodom and been watching it. And then your daughters grow up to fornicate. And your daughters grow up to end up you know, pregnant out of wedlock. And you say, where did this come from? I didn't raise my daughter like this. But you let her watch the filth on TV. And your, and your sons grow up. And they have a pornography problem. Or an alcohol problem. Or a drug problem. And you say, where did this come from? I raised my kids in church. But you let them watch the filth. On the internet. You gave them access to YouTube. You gave them access to whatever. You didn't check it. You didn't, you didn't keep them accountable. You said, here you go. Let's pitch our tent towards Sodom. And then you wonder why they act like Sodom. Let me read for you an article. This, this actually came from Focus on the Family. And I'm not endorsing Focus on the Family. But it's an article that they put out. About the influence of media. It says this. Take, for instance, the virtual onslaught of sexual themes pervading today's pop music, TV, Toys, games, and books. Even before children, especially girls, are aware of their own sexuality, they receive cues to start dressing and talking in sexual ways. You, you go, to, you go to, to stores today, and they got, they got dresses for 10-year-old girls, and they look like a whore. Sleazy. Consider also the attitudes of disrespect among youth toward adults. And the assimilation of profanity into everyday vocabulary, which can simply be picked up from commercials. Spiritual stumbles influenced by messages in media and entertainment happen in faith-based homes every single day. Here's what I'm trying to help you understand. Point number two, I don't know that I told you what point number two was. You need to guard against wrong influences. You're allowing yourself and your wife and your children to be influenced by the world, and then you wonder why they act like the world. You're wondering why your teenager's rude and mean and a punk and a brat? It's because every teenager they watch on TV is rude and mean and a punk and a brat. I don't know if you know this, but the independent fundamental Baptist walking with God and living for the Lord does not star on the average movie. Does not star on the average TV show. And you let them be influenced by Sodom, and then you wonder why they act like Sodom. Go back to Psalm 101. I don't know if you kept your place there. Psalm 101, if you open your Bible right in the center, you're more than likely found the book of Psalms. Psalm 101, look at verse 1. We, we, we saw Psalm 101, Psalm 101.3, but let's, let's look at verse 1. I just want you to see this. I feel, I feel like Psalm 101 was a, a future prophecy of the television. If I, if I, had, if I you know, had notes in my Bible, I'd write above Psalm 101, a vision of the future television. Because it seems like it's describing TV. and It may not be, but notice what Psalm 101 says. Look at verse 1. A psalm of David. I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, I will sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk, notice, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. If there's anywhere that you ought to be able to walk with a perfect heart, it ought to be your house. Is there anything in your house that causes you to stumble or to not walk with a perfect heart? See, some of you need to go home and get rid of some magazines. Some of you need to go home and delete some accounts and get rid of some DVDs. 
And some of you need to just go home and rip some TVs off the wall and throw them in the... And look, I, when I preach like this, last time I preached, I think last time I said them like this, I had a lady say, I'm never coming back to your church. You freaked me out with that whole throwing a TV out the, you know, out the door. I think to myself, like, good night. You know people live for thousands of years without a television? Yeah. Pastor Jimenez, how am I going to live without my, my internet on my phone? You know that like 15 years ago, nobody had internet on their phone? I think they survived. I think they were okay. People say, I can't believe, you know, but look, is there something in your house that is causing you to not walk within a perfect heart? Notice verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A forward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Let me ask you, who do your children know? He says, I hate the work of them that turn aside. But in the average Christian home, they love the work of them that turn aside. They've got Michael Jordan pictures and Kobe Bryant posters. They've got this CD and that CD. They've got this picture of this, you know, I don't even know who the famous people. Justin Bieber looks like a 40-year-old woman. I don't understand why he's so popular, you know. And they've got, they've got Justin Bieber. And look, in your house, you know, you know who I want my children to know? I want my children to know people like Paul, people like Peter, people like Pastor Anderson who's coming out, people like Pastor uh, Romero, Pastor Burns, I want uh, Jack Howes, you know, men that stood for the things of God. I don't want them to be, you know, infatuated. I don't want my kids to know about the pop culture and the famous culture and whatever. I hate the work of them that turn aside, is what the psalmist said. It shall not cleave to me. I will, not, I will set no wicked thing before. He says, I will not know a wicked person. Let me ask you, who do your children know? Who are your children infatuated with? Who are they following on Twitter? Look at verse 5. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, I will cut him off. And by the way, that's, that's just good right there, just in general. Somebody's going around privately slandering, gossiping about people, just cut him off. Just say, you know, I don't need you as a friend. Him that hath, look, him that hath an high look and a proud heart, I will not suffer. The word suffer means allow. Doesn't that describe every Hollywood star? Doesn't that describe every music star? Doesn't that describe every, you know, politician? He that hath an high look and a proud heart. Look at verse 6. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. Amen. I, I want my kids to, to have heroes of men and women that love the Lord and that did great things for God. We have, uh, we have these videos that my kids watch, and it's about old, uh, you know, we, they, don't, they haven't watched all of them, but they, we, we have one in particular they, they like to watch about William Tyndale, who, who gave us our, our, our English Bible. And it's interesting, the things that William uh, Tyndale went through and the persecution that he went through and the type of man that he's was. Hey, those are the heroes I want my kids to have. So when they live through that tribulation and they're telling them it's illegal to read the Bible, they've got heroes they can look back to and say, hey, this is no different than William Tyndale being persecuted by the Roman Catholic Church. That's who I want them to know. Not the stars of today. Look at verse 7. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell in my house. That's your news media. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. There, there goes the, you know, the evening news. They're all a bunch of liars. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off the wicked doers from the city of the Lord. Here's what I'm trying to say. You need to guard against lustful images, number one. Number two, you need to guard against wrong influences. The things that you allow into your eyes and into your ears influence your heart. You say, why are my kids acting so crazy? Maybe because you're letting them watch things that are crazy. Guard against wrong influence. Number three, we're, we're almost done. 
We'll finish up. You, you're, you're doing all right. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. This is the last. Well, actually, no. Keep your place in Psalms. Do me a favor. Keep your place in Psalms. We're going to go to Ephesians. We're going to go back to Psalms. We'll be done. All right? Number three, for those of you taking notes. Number one, I said guard against lustful images. Number two, guard against wrong influences. Number three, guard against dangerous idleness. Guard against dangerous idleness. Let me read for you a statistic here. According to the Nielsen Media Research, the average American watches about four hours of TV each day. That's 28 hours a week. Two months of nonstop TV watching per year. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine if you didn't watch any TV from January to October and then November, December, all you did 24 hours a day, seven days a week, was watch nonstop TV. You say, well, that would be such a waste of time. But that's what the average American is doing anyway. In a 65-year-old life, that person will have spent nine years plugged to the TV. Here's a... Here's a quote from the, uh, an article about digital trends. It says, the U.S. led global markets in terms of the amount of time spent on their phones daily with a staggering 4.7 hours. Considering that the average American is awake for just about 15 hours a day, seeing that we sleep for an average of eight hours, this means that we spend approximately a third of our time on our phones. You ever met someone like that? They're always on the, you can't have a conversation with them, they're always on their phone. I think it's funny. People come to church. It's like, why do you even come to church? You're just on your phone the entire time. You know, you, you don't, I, I mean, I never have to worry about you getting offended with a sermon because you don't listen to them. You know, you're just, hey, people on their phones, on their phones all the time. Look, we ought to be careful to guard against dangerous idleness. You ever heard this uh, quote before? Idle time is devil time. And it's true. Are you there in Ephesians 5? Look at verse 15. Ephesians 5.15. Notice what the Bible says. Ephesians 5.15. See then that ye walk circumspectly. The word circumspect means with caution, well thought out, well planned. He said, when you walk in your life, he said, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. The word redeem is talking about purchasing it. He's talking about seeing the value in it. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We ought to be very careful and very cautious and very well planned out about how we spend our time. Go to Psalm 90. This is the last place we'll look at this morning. Psalm 90. Look at verse number 9. Psalm 90. And, you know, I'm, I'm already offending some of you guys. If you're looking at your, uh, you know, your, you, you say, Pastor, I got my Bible on my phone. Okay, whatever. I'm not talking to you, all right? I don't know why you go, yes, you know, in the middle of the sermon. It's kind of weird, but okay, you know. I'll, I'll buy that. You're, you're, you're reading your Bible on your phone. Psalm 90, look at verse 9. Psalm 90, look at verse 9. Psalm 90, verse 9. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. Notice what the Bible says. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Your life is going to just be a story that's spoken. Someone will tell your story. Your children will, say, will speak about you and your parenting in either a positive way or a negative way. Your grandchildren will say uh, 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 of you, you know, what they know. And, and they may say, my mother spent a lot of time with me. My mother loved me. My mother prayed with me. My mother read the Bible with me. My, my mother gave me uh, a, a, a lot of time. They may say, my, my, my dad loved me. My dad read the Bible with me. My dad uh, spent time with me. I have a lot of great memories with my dad. Or they might say, yeah, you know, we were homeschooled, but my mom kind of spent most of her time on Facebook anyway. And yeah, I mean, you know, we went to church, but, you know, it's like my dad came home and he just got glued on the TV and they just kind of let us do whatever anyway. 
Your life is as a tale that is told. How will your tale be told? And here's the thing about, about this verse is that you're not telling the story. Someone else is. Look at verse 10. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. That's 70 years. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, that if you can make it up to 80 years, hey, you're doing well. Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear? Who is thy wrath? So teach us. Don't miss this. Verse number 12. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Here's what he's saying. Your life is short. Your life, James said, is is as a vapor that appears for a little time and vanisheth away. It's just a tale that is told. And he says, let, he says, teach us to number our days. Teach us to see the value in it. Teach us to realize that, that I'm a steward the day that God has given me today. And I'm a steward tomorrow. And I'm a steward the next week. And I'm a steward the time that God has given me with my children. And with my wife. And with you, dear people. And so many of us are wasting our lives. Sitting in front of a TV. Doing nothing profitable. We had a guard against dangerous idols. I'm not saying, look, I, I, I think from time to time it's good to relax. I think we ought to rest. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's always wrong to sit down and watch something or whatever. I'm not saying that at all. But here's what I'm saying. We must be very careful to guard against the media entertainment blitz, the attack of Satan upon our lives. And you can watch things. There's great things on YouTube. Hey, I would encourage you to watch me on YouTube. <laughs> I'm on there. You can, you, can do great, you can do great things on the internet. There's great technology. But I would encourage you to guard against lustful images. I would encourage you to guard against wrong influences. I would encourage you to guard against dangerous idleness. Let's bow our heads and